Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 68, the most anticipated films of 2019. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I am your host, the Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And even though it's like a little ways into January now, a belated Happy New Year to all of you. Hopefully, you had a good transition into 2019. And yes, it's 2019. It's a new year, and you know what that means: more reviews and more hype, and more <laughs> film coverage for this podcast. And uh, yeah, today we're starting things off right. This is something I wanted to do last year, but I totally forgot to do it. So we're doing our most anticipated film for 2019. And now here's the thing. I've looked up the whole set of films between now till the end of December. And there is a lot of films showing up. And that's not even counting the films that are on, you know, streaming services or, uh, you know, some of the films that get announced out of the blue between now and the end of the year. So yeah, man, there's too many films to, you know, do on this podcast so what we're going to do is i've put together a wonderful list of films um now there is a little bit of bias involved because some of these uh you know major or you know minor releases i'm not overly interested in but i have collated a list of 24 of the most interesting films to me that you guys should be paying attention to in 2019 but the interesting thing is i'm not alone I have a returning guest, one of the most amazing people in this world so far that I've had on this podcast. And I, you know, I know I've only had two, but this guy's great. Please welcome back my friend, Eddie. Hey, thank you for having me on. And uh, happy new year to you and happy new year to all the listeners. Thanks, Eddie. And like, happy new year to you, man. I should have said that to you beforehand. Look at me, man. I'm terrible. But yeah. Um, yeah, man, like Eddie's here to help me go through this list. So here's the thing. We have, like I said before, 24, at least I think it's 24 films to go through. But there might be some additional ones that we might want to talk about in the end. So what I'm going to do is go through these films by their point in the year from basically February to December, purely because... Um, with some of the films coming out in January, it feels like it's a little too close. I was supposed to put Glass on this list, but since it's coming out next week, it's, it's kind of pointless, especially with some of the reviews out for it at the moment. So yeah, we will be talking very fast and loose about these films. Um, some we may have more to say about than others, just because there's more information, you know, trailers and marketing, that kind of stuff. Some of these films only just have... Uh, you know, just your directors, a short summary, and the cast. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting conversations about some of these. Some will have more than others. But yeah, anyway, uh, we're going to get started straight away. So we're going to jump right into February with the first major release of that month, which is the Lego Movie Part 2. Now, I don't know about you, Eddie, but for mm-hmm. me, when I first saw the Lego movie, I thought it was one of the most incredible films I'd ever seen. Um, not only from a visual standpoint, because as a uh, ad- animation student of university and just a fan of cartoons in general, I thought it was just absurdly impressive how they were able to create that sort of stop motion look with 3D animation, but the cast was really good. Um, so many of the characters were super memorable and the film was stupidly funny from uh, you know Charlie Day screaming out spaceship to Will Arnett as Batman 
Um, there was so many great things that everybody, uh, everything is awesome song, which got stuck in my head for a little while. That was fun. Chris Pratt was great. The film was just delightful. Um, however, after seeing it the second time, I felt like, you know, the, the wonder, the, you know, that initial oomph that the film had sort of wore off. And in the years after that, even though I still really liked the film, I don't high, hold it in that same high regard. So when the second film was announced, I was like, you know, I'll probably watch it. But then I saw the trailer, I'm like, you know what, this is actually, you know, it's nice to be back in that world again and just seeing all these crazy characters and all these new scenarios that all the characters are going through. So I thought the new trailer looked good. So I'm not super hyped for the sequel, but I'm pretty sure that I'm still going to love it either way just because the first one was, you know, just so interesting and crazy. So, yeah, man, what do you think about the uh, upcoming Lego Movie 2? Um, when the first Lego movie was like announced, I saw that it was put on a lot of people's like most anticipated movies. But yeah. for me, I didn't really have a good sense of what the movie was about heading in. But when I did watch it, I actually really enjoyed it. It was like sort of a surprise movie for me. Like I, I loved all the cameos and the voice acting and the humor. Yeah. I think going in with the second one, I'm sort of like you. I'm not like super hyped and maybe because that surprise element is not um, going to be a part of that. But I think um, this could be a good one. It has a really strong cast and I like seeing some of the returning uh, cast members like Chris Pratt and Will Arnett. So I'm definitely open minded to this one. But like you, I'm not super hyped up for this one. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I was hoping it's a good one. Um, okay, so I think not too long after that we have finally finally elite a battle angel now um i don't know if you follow the interesting uh, development history of this film but this was talked about i think at least in the early to mid 2000s when james cameron was apparently going to direct this but then he went on to do avatar and then decided to make like 50 other avatar sequels um which obviously meant that he wasn't going to get around to doing that film so then it ended up having him you know produce the film with uh, Robert Rodriguez being the uh, person in the directing chair to go about and make this film happen and I know after the first trailer came out a lot of people weren't really convinced and obviously kept talking about how weird um, Alita's eyes looked with the, you know the whole big anime eyes which uh, some people were saying it was either accurate to the source material or just looked weird um, but I thought the first uh, teaser was good I didn't actually see any of the later trailers until like what the latter part of last year when I was in the cinema I was like oh you know what they've actually cleaned up those visuals a lot more and it gives you a better idea of what the story is about now I haven't read the original manga though my friend from college he loves it and he's always gone on about it for years and he kept saying when are they going to make that bloody movie so it's nice to see that the film is finally coming out especially after the two delays that I had last year because it was meant to come out in the summer and then it got pushed back to I think December and then got pushed back again to February. Um, I do like the look of the film. I am always interested in you know post-apocalyptic uh, you know kind of films. Uh, I like the visual design of it. Alita looks cool. The cast is really great, especially considering um, you know the main lady, Christoph Waltz, Jennifer Connelly, Marshall Ali. You know, there's a lot of really good people in this film. So I'm hoping it's going to be good. I'm I'm pretty hyped for this one, to be honest. Yeah, I haven't really heard um, that much about this film, like, and I haven't been following like all the delays and all the behind-the-scenes stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah, I don't really have too much to say about this one. Okay, no, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, okay, not too long after that, I think about a week later, we happen to have uh, Hounded Training Dragon number three, The Hidden World. Now, um, depending on who you talk to, this is either the best of what's come out of the DreamWorks animation division, or it's, um, you know, just good. It depends on who you're talking to, but I know there's some people that love these films so crazy. I didn't see the original when it first came out. I didn't see the first film until the second one was coming out in 2014, I believe. And I saw it and I was like, you know what, this is good. But I love the sequel. I think just because there was a, you know, um, the visuals were enhanced, the characters have grown up, I've always been a fan of sequels that take the character from point A to point B and see how they grow. There was a lot more drama and interesting stuff going on with um, Hiccup and his family and you know I think the villain angle was a little bit more interesting and those films just have a great sense of scope and spaciousness to it all where you can feel like this is a really massive realized world with such a great color scheme. I know some drama in that film, I was just like, man, I felt like, you know, I was on the verge of tears, so, yeah, I, uh, besides, um, probably the first two Shrek films and the first two Kung Fu Panda films, I thought, you know, there was nothing really going on with DreamWorks until I saw that film, I'm like, okay, these guys still have something, so I saw the trailer for the third film only about a month ago, and I'm like, wow, this actually looks really good, Again, they got the really good color scheme. It's interesting to see that Toothless now has another white dragon that looks like him, and there's some other random stuff going on. It looks good, so I'm hoping that this one can be just as good as the last one, if not better. Yeah, I'm the same with you. Like um, the first How to Train Your Dragon, I missed it in the theaters, but the second one, I did make the effort to watch it in the theaters, yeah. and I, I really like that one. Uh, I like what they did with Toothless, um, how they kind of evolved his character. And um, I liked how they incorporated like uh, the family element into uh, Hiccup's storyline. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think that was really cool. And um, so I'm just um, I haven't seen the latest trailer for the third film, but I'm definitely probably going to see this one too. I, I really like this series. Nice, nice. Yeah. All right, and now we move on to March, and um, this is one that I forgot what's coming out until I looked it up again I was like oh yeah this is actually a thing isn't it and um, that is uh, the new film Chaos Walking which is um, the new film from Doug Lyman and uh, the only reason I put this in here is because one the two leads of the film is Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley obviously from you know the MCU and uh, Star Wars fame and Doug Lyman for those who aren't aware is one of the guys who brought us wonderful films like The Bourne Identity and uh, Edge of Tomorrow so uh, when I saw this whole thing happening I was like oh this is interesting and they're saying it's like a sort of action sci-fi thriller kind of thing going on and I'm like ooh okay so there is no trailers and I think maybe just some minor behind the scenes like uh, on set footage um, you know pictures but there's no, no actual footage but the fact that the film even exists with the cast and the director I'm like okay you have me so I just wanted to throw that one out there. Oh uh, yeah, the same here. Like, um, I think the casting looks pretty good, and this is the same director behind like the Born Identity, right? Is that the same one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think um, he has some pretty good pedigree as a director, but there's not really that much I know about this film other than like the cast and the director. Yeah, so yeah. I can I can only hope that there's going to be some sort of uh, marketing for this film soon because like there's only so much uh, the. Uh, people involved can take this film because i'm just like okay I, I need to see some footage give me give me some juice 
All right, okay, so now moving on to uh, the week after that, which is the first Marvel-related release of 2019, and that's Captain Marvel. Now, I have been, I think, critical of uh, the Captain Marvel uh, marketing just because I am not overly aware of uh, Carol Danvers and her adventures in the comics, though I have seen her in a few adaptations here and there, like the Marvel Alliance games and uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. A very underrated TV show, if I do say so myself. But I know how great she is in terms of like her power set and what she could bring to the MCU, especially with um, her powers and the, you know, ties to the scrolls. So I've been hyping this up for ages, especially uh, once the uh, once they cast Brie Larson. I was like, okay, this is good, this is good. And they started to assemble their cast, and they said it was going to be set in the nineties. I'm like. You're selling me all the right things. And that first trailer, I thought was decent. It wasn't great, but it was decent. I think it was just interesting to see, you know, uh, Sam Jackson and uh, Phil Coulson again. I'm just like, oh my gosh. And look at those scrolls. And then there's that granny getting punched, which <laughs> obviously became that meme for a little while. Um, but I was like, this is good. I am very pleased with this. Uh, I thought it was just, as a teaser trailer, it was decent, but there have been much better trailers that Marvel put together, you know, just in terms of the music and the footage that's been used. And with the subsequent trailers that's come out after that, I feel like they've been good. I mean, especially with the last one with um, seeing Carol in a full Captain Marvel outfit, running around, shooting things in space, it looked cool. But again, I thought the music was really lackluster and the fact that they used a chunk of footage from the last trailer again, I was like, mm. So right now, I really want to love this film. I feel like it will be better than the trailers have than what we've seen in the trailer so far, but I'm I'm just whelmed by the marketing at the moment. Um, not over, not under, just whelmed. Yeah, I think um, this movie and the, the story setting, yeah. I think it's really loaded with a lot of potential. Um, some of the things going in that I want to really learn about is like um, the origin story of Captain Marvel. Because yeah. like you, I'm not familiar at all about her, her story, her identity, her powers. Um, but what I what I do know is that I think um, some of her powers is as a result of uh, alien infused DNA. So I really like to see how she kind of balances her like her human side versus um, some of her alien side. I guess you can think of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm also really interested in seeing how she fits into like the bigger picture of the MCU, as well as how she's going to factor in into. Um, Avengers 4, Avengers Endgame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm also really interested in seeing, like, how her relationship is with, like, Nick Fury. Because I think this is going to be set, like, 25 years in the past, I believe. So we're going to get to see a side of Nick Fury that we probably haven't seen before. Maybe a more younger, maybe a more innocent sort of um, side of him, like, before he lost his eye. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So I think those are some pretty good things going in. And like you, I've heard some of the um online reaction to the um I guess the marketing and the trailers. So I yeah. think there's some mixed um some mixed energy, mixed reactions going into the movie. But I guess in the end we'll have to watch the movie ourselves and judge it for what it is. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I am going to be there opening weekend as per. Mm-hmm. So like hopefully it should be good. Mm-hmm. Um Alright, so the next film we have up is uh, Us, the new horror slash thriller from Jordan Peele. Now, the only reason I have this on this list, I mean, 
I still haven't seen the trailer, surprisingly enough. I know that there was a big hullabaloo about it on online, and everyone's been talking about it. I still haven't seen it just because, I don't know, I'm lazy. But um, besides that, I think I don't need to see the trailer to know that I'm going to watch this anyway. Um, when I saw Get Out last year, it was literally just the most surprising you know, film I'd seen in a while, just in the sense that... I thought it was going to be, you know, at least interesting, but I didn't expect it to be as entertaining and thought-provoking and just as, you know, I think it was a really visceral experience that once you're, you, once it's over, you sort of need to either watch it with someone else or go to talk to someone who's seen it just so you can discuss what happened. It was just a really well-executed film with just good performances from everybody and, you know, with the cast uh, in this film, including like Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss and you know a whole lot of other people as well I'm interested to see what Peel is going to do for his uh, you know sophomore effort really yeah I think everyone is really interested in the follow-up to uh, Get Out yeah and um, one of the things that I I sort of liked about um, Get Out was everyone's sort of theories about the film um, afterwards so I think uh, Jordan Peel like as a screenwriter definitely has like um a way of capturing people's imaginations and getting people going on all these sorts of different theories and explanations and how Get Out could be connected to other uh, other movies. Yeah. And perhaps even this film could be connected into the same universe as Get Out. Like we, I, I don't know. I haven't watched the uh, trailer yet for this. So I think, yeah, I think a lot of people are putting um, us on their most anticipated list. Nice, nice. Yeah. Alright, and um, the last film I have for March is a, another film that doesn't have any, um, I think there's images, because the funny thing is I actually found out when I was doing my list that I'd put this on the most anticipated films for last year, but it ended up not coming out, and that tends to happen on a few occasions, but um, I don't think there's any trailers for this film, but this film called Captive State. It's the newest film from Rupert White, who was the guy who gave us uh, the first of the new Planet of the Apes films, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and it stars John Goodman, Vera Farmiga, and it's a sci-fi thriller, and I was like, okay, that's all I need. Um, I really like those actors, uh, like the director as well, and it's a film that involves, I think, was it... uh, aliens as well and um i could look at the premise right now but that's that's just long but i feel like this is just uh an interesting story just from the premise that i read beforehand and it just seems like it's, it's an interesting film i'd, I'd want to give it a watch yeah i haven't heard much about this film at all um but um yeah the cast looks pretty good uh john goodman and um and i i'm a big fan of like sci-fi movies so this is probably yeah. right up my alley no, oh, nice, nice. Yeah. All right, okay. So now we're moving into April, and we have the first major effort from DC, which is uh, Shazam. Now, back when uh, Comic Con was uh, happening last year, when they released all the uh, trailers, this was one of the ones that stood out to me, and I think I like this one more than the Aquaman trailer, just because it looked so different, and you know, just tonally from all the other superhero films that DC had produced in their like you know cinematic universe so far, it seemed like the most colorful different light-hearted affair that i'd ever seen i'm like wow okay this is cool man um and i think i'm also just interested in the film just to see how shazam will translate into live action 
Um, I've never read any comics featuring Shazam, but I became a fan of the character via the uh, animation side of things, because I think he featured in Young Justice, and he also was in uh, Justice League action as well. And I love the concept of just seeing this little boy turn into this like proper beefy geezer who has like powers similar to that of Superman. Um, and yeah, the the trailer was just really fun, lighthearted, and the cast that features obviously. Zachary Levi, Mark Strong, and uh, Jaiman Honsu, among other people. It's really cool. And um, besides the trailer featuring that horrible little moment with the uh, dude flossing, which I don't know about you, but I actually hate that thing. It became, it, it was everywhere last year, and I just wanted to stop. Um, but besides that, and whatever potential cringe I may have to endure because of what teenagers like these days, I am very curious to see how this film turns out. Uh, yeah, the same here. I really don't know much about like Shazam, um, but in general, I like the direction of where the DC is going. It seems like they're going less away from like the gritty realism and into something that's a lot more fan friendly. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, one blog I heard uh, describes sort of Shazam as, in terms of the tone, is going to be like more of like the Ant Man meets um, Spider Man Homecoming uh, type of vibe for DC. Oh, so, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think the focus is going to be on super fun, super family-friendly, and um, it's going to have, like, a mix of some of the things I like, which is both um, superhero stuff plus, like, the coming-of-age adventure storyline. So yeah. those are the things I, I'm really looking forward to. Oh, nice, yeah. yeah. Like, um, I am hoping that this is going to be... Um just one of those sort of interesting balances like you said between having a superhero origin story but a coming of age thing as well because we don't get to see that too much within the you know superhero genre yeah it's, a, it's going to be probably like a feel-good type of film like a lot of laughs a lot of humor and uh, something for everyone yeah definitely yeah all right after that we have a controversial choice i guess um in the form of hellboy 2019 because we can't say Hellboy because technically there's another one with uh, another gentleman who we all love who we hoped would come back for a third but you know time just was a factor and you know other things happen but yeah uh, I know that there's a lot of people that just checked out of the Hellboy film as soon as it was announced that there was going to be a new one without uh, Ron Perlman and uh, Guillermo del Toro and I also know that there's a lot of people that really gave up on this once they saw the trailer and I think it was just a bad trailer in my opinion it wasn't like the worst trailer i'd ever seen but after all the uh talk and interviews from david harbour and some of the other people working on the film saying that they wanted to go for a more comic book accurate darker tone uh, than what was given in the um del toro films i was like okay i'm interested and with the first set of images that we saw of david harbour i was like this is cool i'm in i'm in i'm in um, just because of the way in which they're talking about this film, it sounds like it could be really fun because from a visual standpoint and, you know, learning about that world and all that sort of stuff in that wonderful Del Toro kind of way, I do like the Hellboy films. The first more so than the second, just because it was fun mm-hmm. to, you know, see that world being realized for the first time. But one of the things I think the films lacked was just that little extra depth of darkness that I feel like comes with this character. Now, I've never read any of the comments myself, but I feel like there was more that could have been done with that. And also the action sequences in the Hellboy films were good, but nothing overly memorable to me. So I was hoping that they could, you know, uh, double down on that and give us something a little bit more unique, maybe some cool fight scenes and stuff. But yeah, I'm I'm still hopeful for this film. I 
I want to believe in the uh, people behind it and just hope that this is a, you know, an, at least, if anything, a decent adaptation of the character beyond that of what we've gotten from, you know, the Ron Perlman films. Uh, yeah, so I haven't seen the trailer myself, but um, okay. I, I think I, I do miss um, Del Toro's um, creature designs. I oh, think yeah. he has a huge eye and aesthetic for, like, for both set designs and creature designs. And um, I remember listening to one of his um, DVD commentaries, and yeah. he has a tremendous amount of attention to everything from color schemes to characters and such. And I think uh, Hellboy was one of his like passion projects as well. So on one hand, I am sort of sorry that Del Toro is not going to be returning. But oh, yeah, on, yeah. on the other hand, I also do feel like it has been like 10 years since Hellboy 2. So yeah. it is a good time as any to kind of just do a reboot with a new cast, especially since Ron Perlman is not going to return without Del Toro. And um, another thing I, I think I like about this movie going in is um, the director, Neil Marshall. Oh, uh, yeah. I think yeah. in more recent years, like he's probably been no known for doing some TV episodes, like some of the great Game of Thrones episodes. But right. before, he also has done like... Um, some darker movies like Dog Soldiers and The Descent. So those are more horror-based. So perhaps if you're looking for like a director who can put in some more darker elements into the Hellboy franchise, maybe he could be the one to help do that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like The Descent of uh, all the horror films I've ever seen uh -huh. is one of my favorites. And yeah. um, even though I just, I'm a coward when it comes to horror films, I do like that film a lot. Um so yeah, I, I do hope that he, you know, injects some of that horror into this uh, this film because it definitely feels like it would vibe pretty well. Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. Uh, moving on to the next film, we happen to have uh, a film that I wasn't even aware was coming out until like what I think maybe a week ago, which mm -hmm. is uh, called Missing Link. It's the next film from uh, Laika, the uh, animation studio behind Cooper uh, and the Two Strings, Coraline, The Box Trolls, and uh, Paranorman. And uh, this film just is so weird and definitely different from what we've had from those guys before. The, you know, some of their films dealt with, you know, sort of weird supernatural or fantasy-based stuff. But this is probably the closest to, I guess, a sort of... Okay, you know what? I tell a lie. Like, most of their films all have, like, this weird balance between, you know, being in the realm of reality. But also just going into, you know, just complete weirdness and this film just happens to be about i think a um explorer who happens to find like bigfoot and they happen to go on an adventure to um you know integrate him into society but then also find um you know is it the, uh, bigfoot's like uh, other family which i think are out in the mountains and just seeing the trailer is very comedic um a lot more human focused and it feels like probably the most i guess normal film that Laika have made but it has all of those nice little quirks and uh, obviously animation um, elements that make their films so visually engaging and you know it features a cast including Hugh Jackman, Zach Galifianakis, Zoe Zaldana and Timothy Olyphant, Emma Thompson and Stephen Fry so yeah it looks like it could be fun and uh, Laika besides I think maybe The Box Trolls which was probably my least favorite of their films so far all of their films have had like you know just a very interesting you know story on top of being like you know just visually incredible films that you know you wonder how these guys pull this kind of stuff off so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to that one 
Oh uh, yeah, this movie is um, sort of under my radar, but um, when you point out some of their past movies from the same animation studio, I think yeah. another movie that went under the radar was Kubo and the Two Strings, which I actually really like that movie. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was um, a movie that I think is really worth uh, checking out, especially if you like animation or if you want something a little bit different from like Pixar. I love Laika, and they don't get enough credit, so I'm hoping that this film, um, with its more, I guess, uh, I think this one is a little bit more family-friendly and less adult-oriented than like some of their uh, other ones, because you know some of their films tend to be a little darker in tone, yeah. um, so I'm hoping this one will be a little bit more approachable, and if the film's good, then hopefully people will go, go out and see it. Yeah, definitely. Alright, okay, so now we've got the big one, right near the end of April, I think we know what, it, what time it is, we're talking about... <laughs> Avengers number four, Endgame. Now, um, I don't think we need to go into too much detail as to why this film is such a big deal, but I'll try to summarize. So, you know, I am a massive fan of the MCU. I am not one of the sort of people that's just, you know, a complete, you know, MCU fanboy. I do acknowledge that their films have faults, but just when you look at the wonderful tapestry that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how it's been put together, and how it could have easily been derailed and went into, you know, just the biggest trash heap of all time, and yet it still continued to excel and tell all these interesting stories with different tones and characters and soundtracks and visual, you know, stuff going on. It's hard not to, you know, just sit back and appreciate the time that we live in where we have all these sort of things just happening. And after Avengers Infinity War, which was just one of the most incredible strange and just surreal experiences i had in the cinema as a superhero fan seeing what this you know um new film will be like it's just it has me salivating a little bit to be honest you know endgame is dealing with the fallout of infinity war and if you've seen the trailer you know ladies and gents you know that this is just a very somber dark uh, kind of trailer everyone's sort of dealing with the fallout from the last film you know people are separated we don't know what's going on hawkeye is randomly showing up somewhere and um obviously if you've seen the end of the trailer you know like a certain hero who was looked like he was trapped somewhere just sort of randomly shows up out of nowhere so that's pretty cool but i'm hoping that uh the russo brothers were able to take you know the similar tone that we have from last film and even if the film is disappointing which it could be considering the fact that some of these characters are definitely going to come back in some way shape or form i hope that there's just a satisfying end to some of this stuff and that we still have that same emotional payoff that we had in uh, infinity war so yeah man i'm 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 stupid hyped for this <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah same here I, i'm really excited for this movie um, I know the ending to the Infinity War, like there was some sort of polar polarization. Um, for some people, it was somewhat controversial, but yeah. um, from what I, I understand, the Russo brothers like they put a lot of uh, time and effort into like um, mapping out the ending and how that would lead into the next film. So I kind of feel like it's in capable hands. I mean, there is a possibility that it could like, you know, fall apart, but I really feel like so far they've earned sort of my confidence after yeah. a number of their of their movies. Yeah. And um I think going into Endgame, one thing I think um that we know is going to happen of course is going to be addressing the events of Infinity War. And yeah. I think if they're going to undo some of those uh, events at the end, it's going to have to come with a big price. And I think that price is going to shape the MCU going forward. So I think that's the way to go. 
and I think it should be an emotional send-off as well. So that's just sort of my guess. Yeah, I can only hope because um, after the end of Infinity War, it'd be interesting if if Infinity War was the end of the MCU, that would be one heck of a way to go about and cap that version of the MCU off. And I think, you know, there would be a lot of people just... <laughs> A lot of kids sad, a lot of people just in general disarray, but it would be, you know, pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. But we all knew that since this uh, world of superhero characters isn't going to end, that there was going to be a way for several of these people to come back. So I hope that there will be, like you said, you know, some sort of sacrifice or, you know, at least yeah. some sort of payoff that will justify, you know, getting certain stuff back. So we'll get some stuff back, but, you know, in turn, we'll lose some stuff. So mm-hmm. one can only hope. Yeah, in rewatching uh, Infinity War, I think one of the themes was the idea of sacrifice. You see all these different characters um, sacrificing something that was important to them. So I yeah, think that yeah. idea of sacrifice is going to carry over into Endgame. Oh, definitely, man. Yeah. Ah, okay, cool. Now we move on to another interesting choice in the form of the new Pokemon film, Detective Pikachu. <laughs> now, good gravy. Um, I remember when this uh, trailer dropped. And before I saw it, I saw an image and I'm like, what, is, what sort of weird, creepy, DeviantArt fan art am I looking at right now? I'm like, oh my gosh, that's real, isn't it? <laughs> so I went to watch the trailer and I, at first, was just like, this, this is wrong. It's <laughs> interesting, but it's wrong. But as I watched the trailer again and then sort of thought about it more, I was like, this is a very interesting concept. And the main thing that compels me about the film is that if it's good... It could set up a whole world of possibilities for live-action Pokemon films going ahead. Because even though I am like in my late 20s at the moment, I still play Pokemon games. I have very strong nostalgic memories of Generation 1 and 2. And even though a Detective Pikachu film based on the 3DS game that no one's actually played, or at least not many people have played, is being adapted as the first major Pokemon film, which just seems wrong when you have... I don't know, maybe an adventure that you could do with Ash Ketchum or just do the general, oh yeah, um, Pokemon trainer who starts from a small town that could, you know, wants to be a Pokemon master, you could do that whole thing, but this angle is strange, but it's very interesting. And seeing these live action representations of Pokemon that you never thought you'd see in this kind of way, you know, a lot of these Pokemon have fur, or they have really creepy faces, um, and just seeing them in live action is just really weird, but really fun. And the choice of music was good. And while I would have preferred someone else other than Ryan Reynolds to do the voice of Pikachu, just because Ryan Reynolds is so, um, you know, intrinsically linked to Deadpool now, it just looks like it's just Deadpool's voice coming out of Pikachu. But I think it's fun. There were some decent lines in there. And I know a lot of people find the Mr. Mime character really creepy in the film. I thought it was cool. He was really strange but fun. So this film has potential to be fun, and I think I'll just be there just looking at all the different generation of Pokemon. I was like, I know that one, that one, that one. Ooh, look at that. So yeah, you know, I'm going to be a little bit of a little boy running around just like having nostalgic memories with this, but I think it has potential to be good. I am very curious about this one. I haven't seen the trailer myself, but I do know that when the trailer came out, there were a lot of people that were sort of making fun of it and making fun yeah, of yeah. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I do think that this movie um, is going to do really well internationally, especially in like Japan and the rest of Asia. Um, but we'll see how it does domestically uh, here in, in America. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. All right, cool. So the next one we have in May, I should have mentioned that this other, you know, the Pokemon Detective Pikachu film is in May as well. Um, in May, we have uh, John Wick Chapter 3, also known as the Parabellum. And... Um, 
I don't know about you, Eddie, but I really like these John Wick films. Um, I was late to the party with uh, John Wick number one. I didn't see it until I think maybe the year before, or maybe, yeah, not too long before the second one came out. But I thought the first one was good. It was very interesting. I think I like the second one a bit more just because it expanded the story into, um, you know, an international scale. We got to go to different countries. We found that there was other assassins within, like, you know, this world. And, um, you know, having more of the continental, you know, that whole organization that uh, Wick works for and all that sort of stuff happen. It was really cool. And some of the action sequences in Chapter 2 was just ridiculous. Um, there was a scene with uh, Common and uh, John Wick, and they were in, like, I think, what? some sort of hall it, it wasn't like a hall it was like a either like an airport or something like an open space and these guys are trying to shoot each other and it was the most ridiculous yet hilarious thing i would ever seen it was wonderful so especially with the way uh chapter two ended i was really interested to see where this new one went and with the addition of Halle Berry as well uh, along with Ruby Rose and some of the other returning cast members i'm very hyped to see where this one goes um just I want to see some more gun foo. So, yeah, bring it on. Good times. Yeah, I'm really impressed with this uh, director. Um, when the first uh, John Wick came out, it was like a really fresh, inventive like gunplay, like mixed with like um, close quarter combat. Yeah. And yeah. Um, but another thing I like about um, the John Wick series that has not much to do with the action, but it has to do with um, the idea of this. Um, underworld of assassins oh it's yeah, like yeah. it's like these assassins like um they don't abide by like society's laws but they have their own sort of code of conduct and they have their own like underworld of um rules and protocols for assassins so i like how that plays out in the storylines as well so and i actually didn't know how the bear was going to be in this one so i think it's really cool i haven't seen her in much lately yeah, yes. Yeah. So I'm hoping yeah. that this is going to be another, like, you know, good, notable role for her because she's been popping up here and there. I think the right. last major profile film she was in was Kingsman 2, but I don't think oh, she'll, okay. like, she was, you know, properly utilizing that film. So I'm hoping that she'll have a little bit more of an action oriented role with this one, but, you know, also just have a role that, you know, has substance, let's put it that way. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. So the next one we have up, I think the week after that in May is. Um, I wasn't actually going to put this in here, but I am still very curious about this film, which is the uh, live-action adaptation of Aladdin. I think it is the second after Dumbo, and oh, I have been looking at this film like a hawk for a long time because <laughs> up until about maybe five or so years ago, Aladdin was my favorite of the Disney animated films. I watched that film a stupid amount of times as a kid. I could quote it immensely i love the look of it the story is fun and obviously there's the genie voiced by our our wonderful friend who's no longer with us robin williams it was just his charisma as the genie was one of the most amazing things i drew him a few times as like you know is it my childhood like favorite thing like right next door to sonic and it's weird that i find the genie and sonic really cool both of them are blue so that's just a weird thing but anyway <laughs> I was very curious about how they'd adapt this one into live action. And when they put Guy Ritchie as the director, I was sort of just like, mm, I'm not sure about that because he's a good director and he's made some decent stuff. And uh, while I haven't seen too much of his early work, I do, of his recent stuff, I definitely like the uh, what he did with the Sherlock Holmes films. 
but um, I was a little questionable of like what you do with this. And then when you had the uh, two main leads announced, I was like, okay, so you couldn't get anybody that was you know of Middle Eastern like actors slash actresses to do this. Okay, well. I can just about deal with this. But then there was the rumours of Will Smith being the genie. I'm just like, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I love Will Smith. Um, I'm one of his biggest fans in the history of existence. But I'm just like, I don't know about that. But, you know, that got announced. The rest of the cast got announced. I'm like, okay, oh, I'll wait until we see a teaser trailer. And that teaser trailer, I don't know. It's got me, it's got me concerned. I'm mainly curious about this because, again, it's one of my favourite films ever. And I want to know what they're going to do with... Um, how they're going to rearrange the songs if it's going to be like um, Beauty and the Beast where they include some new songs and you know take some liberties with the original source material well at least the Disney version of it anyway but I am very curious that film means so much to me and I don't want to see it tarnished um, Disney's live action track record um, so far of adapting their previous material is very questionable I think only Cinderella and uh, Beauty and the Beast have been good um, I like Cinderella the best, in my opinion, just because I've never really been a big fan of the original. But, yeah, um, I'm concerned, but very curious. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I haven't been keeping up with the live-action adaptations of the Disney movies. Yeah. But um, a couple of my favorites, uh, one would have to be Aladdin. And um, even though the, um, the character of Genie is not the, I guess, the um, title role, I think that's, like, the key character and a really important character. Yeah. And I'm really interested in what um, Will Smith is going to do with it because Robin Williams was so like iconic as the genie. Yeah, like he yeah. brought so much energy and enthusiasm and I heard he did a lot of his jokes like um, just sort of off the cuff. He was just making it up as he goes along. So I think the key role is if Will Smith can sort of make the genie his own and sort of, but still be iconic and um, larger than life in his own way. So I think that's really important. And I really do like the songs of the original Aladdin. So hopefully there's going to be um, included, uh, a lot of those going to be included with um, the remake as well. Um, I do think the director of uh, Guy Ritchie is sort of iffy. Like yeah. I never really should have, <laughs> he wouldn't have been my pick for an, an Aladdin uh, remake, but we'll see. You don't know. I did like his Sherlock Holmes and I did like Snatch, but those are different from uh, Aladdin, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see how that one goes. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. And I think, was it in the same weekend, we happen to have Brightburn, which is definitely more up my street. Um, this trailer, oh my gosh. When I heard about this, I'm like, Nah, it can't be that similar to Superman. And then I watched them like, oh my gosh, this is pretty much Man of Steel almost entirely up until that point where it took that left turn. So for those of you who aren't aware, ladies and gentlemen, basically Brightburn is like, imagine if you took the Superman story of, uh, you know, a child from, you know, space who's an alien, comes down, gets uh, raised by like uh, foster human parents, but then he just happens to go evil while in his childhood and then everything just takes a left turn into the horror territory and I'm just like, yo, sign me up. Because if you've seen this trailer, from the way in which it's shot, the way in which it 
cuts to black and the choice of uh, music and even the uh, the writing on the on on the screen it looks just like man of steel and i'm like this is like some man of steel ripoff parody what's going on here but then the trailer just starts to get dark and there's just that weird sequence where i think it might be in a diner or something there's just that woman who's like looking afraid of the boy and he just does this weird zoom right towards her and he's just like oh gosh that looks horrible but I'm very interested in this, and the interesting thing is, it's coming from not only uh, James Gunn, who I think is producing the film, but I think it's his brothers, Brian and Mark Gunn, who wrote the screenplay, and you also have Elizabeth Banks in the role as well. Um, there's a lot of people that know who this David Denman is, but I honestly don't know who he is, but I think it looks great, and it's always interesting to have a sort of superhero film that inserts a different kind of genre than what we're expecting so i like i'm all for original superhero films i mean we got chronicle a good Uh while ago which was one of the most interesting you know films to take place in the superhero genre so i'm looking forward to seeing what they're what's going on with this one yeah i really like chronicle um for brightburn this one was off my radar yeah um but i really do like the the premise and the concept like it would be really scary if clark kent really did take an evil turn because yeah. his powers, what he could do for evil with his powers would be something that would be very, very scary to see. And um, I think with the writers of the, the Gun Brothers and such, I think um, it would be cool if they sort of take a, a take the horror aspect but infuse like a darker comedy or sort of a, a, a what do you call it, more of a sardonic or ironic take on it as well. Oh, Maybe. yeah. Yeah. So I think it's not going to be a straight up horror, but it's going to be an undertone of some sort of darker comedy, black comedy to it. That's sort of my guess from the premise and um, the writers behind it. Oh, yeah, definitely. That'd be interesting. Um, Okay, and now at the end of May on the 31st, we happen to have another film that I am stupidly hyped for. It's Godzilla, (laughs) King of the Monsters. Now, um, I know that there were a lot of people that weren't like super big fans of Godzilla 2014 just because there was a lot less action. Obviously, they got rid of Brian Cranston a lot more, uh, you know, a lot earlier in the film than we expected, considering how much he was used in the marketing. And, um, you know, a lot of people just found the film really slow. And while I do agree that it would have been better for, you know, everybody if there was more Brian Cranston because his, you know, introduction in that film, you know, in the portion that he was in was bloody brilliant. Um, I still feel like the film captured a great sense of uh, dread and you know uh, there was a good sense of tension it was a very atmospheric film and um, just as a film trying to bring the tone of the 1954 at least I think that was the year that the original Godzilla came out bringing that tone into you know was it a western version I feel like Gareth Edwards did a really good job with that and the sense of scale and destruction that Godzilla and the Mutos brought as well was really good and when the action was happening oh I can't I, I cannot stress <laughs> enough how much I loved that film when I saw it um Godzilla's introduction with that massive foot and seeing that roar for the first time was mm-hmm. great and then just towards the end of the film when he was fighting the, one of those Mutos and then he used the atomic breath and shot it down his throat I thought that was one of the most incredible things I've seen in like IMAX since um, when I went to see Tron Legacy for the first time in the uh, light cycle sequence so I was really hyped on it so this new trailer when they showed this trailer at comic-con last year of all the warner brothers trailers and pretty much most of the trailers i saw last year this was the one 
the use of that classic, I guess, I, um, I'm not sure what kind of song you call it, I guess classical song, along with the footage of seeing all these um, other monsters alluded to, along with Godzilla. So you have Mothra, Rodan, and King Ghidorah, and the inclusion of uh, you know the new cast members, including um, Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga, Millie Bobby Brown, Ken Watanabe, and Sarah Hawkins from the first film. It looked great. And while this new trailer was cool because we got to see more of the monsters, I still feel like the first trailer was a much better, you know, setup for, you know, this new film just in terms of the music and the way in which the footage was put together. I, I'm I'm hyped. I really want this to be a good representation of like these characters that we've seen and obviously the Japanese um older films just with uh, you know, today's technology and the sense of scope and stuff. So I'm I'm hoping that this does well. Yeah, when the first uh, Godzilla Godzilla trailer came out for the first film, I was really excited for that. And when I saw the director of uh, Gareth Edwards, I did see his um, first film, Monsters. So oh, I yeah, thought he yeah. would be a really cool fit for um, the Godzilla reboot. And um, I think Gareth Edwards, he did take a right, right approach for me. He took a, like a slow build, suspenseful approach to it. Yeah. And But for this sequel, I kind of think... Um, the approach should be just to go all out. I don't think they need to do another slow build anymore and try to hide um, Godzilla. They can just let them fight the monsters. Um, like the famous line from the first Godzilla, let them fight. Yeah, so I yeah. think <laughs> just bring as many monsters as possible and just let's see the mayhem and the havoc and like you said, the scale. I want to see the sense of the scale of the destruction and, and all that. So I think this could be a really fun sort of summer monster movie feeling. Oh yeah, I'm just yeah. um, I'm just wondering how people are going to survive this because this looks like the world is going to crap. So I'm I'm afraid <laughs> yeah. for who the all the bystanders who happen to get caught up in all that. Yeah, and there's going to be quite a few more monsters that Godzilla is going to be fighting off against this time, right? I think. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Oh man, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> okay, cool. So now we move into June, and we happen to have. Uh, Men in Black International, aka Men in Black 4, aka the first set of Men in Black films without our regular leads of uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Now, I love the first Men in Black film. It's one of my all-time favorite films. I watched it numerous times as a kid, and just that pairing of um, you know science fiction with comedy, it's just great. I could watch that film for an eternity, and it would just never get boring to me. It's just a great blend of just this really interesting concept of having like uh, like the John Wick film having these underground assassins that no one knows about you have this society of uh, you know people that monitor aliens running around in secret they take care of it and if you are a witness to it they just wipe your memory and just the way in which their whole protocol works and seeing how uh, Will Smith in the first film was integrated into that world and just even with the you know, not so good sequels. I am one of the few people I probably on the planet that actually likes Men in Black too. But um, I still feel like there's interesting ideas within each sequel. And uh, Men in Black Three, if anything, just had the wonderful uh, Josh Brolin, who did one of the best impersonations of any actor I've ever seen in my life uh, when he played young Agent K. So when this new film was announced, I was just like, oh, I don't know about this. But with uh, Tessa Thompson and Chris uh, Hensworth as the leads, I was like, okay. But then I saw the trailer, I'm like, you know what, this looks alright. They have most of the visual aesthetics of the original film down. They've changed a few things up, with uh, Tessa Thompson being the person who plays, I guess, the Agent J of this film. But rather than being 
you know, integrated into this series and being, you know, sort of, oh, wow, I don't know about this. She's aware of the um, organization and then she gets integrated. But it's also interesting now that we have a story that's taking place outside the, the US and it's got stuff to do with, uh, you know, London and all that sort of stuff. And you have uh, Liam Neeson in there as well. So I'm curious to see how this is going to go down. It looks like fun. The trailer looks like fun. So, um, yeah, he's hoping it's good. Yeah, when the fourth one was announced, I can't say I was super hyped up for it. Yeah. But um, actually, I really did like um, the third one, the Men in Black 3. I like that one, actually, as well as the first one. The second one, I didn't really like as much. Yeah. Um, but I think um, going forward, I think it is the right approach to, if they're going to make another one, to have a, a fresh new cast. And I think um, they already have a proven sort of on-screen chemistry with... Um, Tessa Thompson and um, Chris Hemsworth, so that I think they already um, shown that they can really work well together in uh, Thor movies. So yeah. yeah, and I think the the combination of those two characters is one of the key elements of the Men in Black. So I think they have that going for it. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. All right. Okay. So now we move into uh, a little ways into June with um, on the twenty first we have. Toy Story 4. Now, I have been on record many a time saying that I didn't want this film to exist, and in an ideal world, I wish I could just, you know, take a magic eraser and just rub this film out so it doesn't exist. Um, but that being said, after I saw that uh, first teaser trailer, I'm like, oh, screw it, I'm back in. I love these characters too much not to see what they're up to, and I know that there's been those weird little shorts that's come out over the years, but... Um, Obviously, those don't never compare to having a proper full-on story. So, um, there is still no idea as to what the story is about specifically. I've heard rumors about it, but I don't really care about that. I just want to see what's going on with these characters. And um, mm. obviously, after the second teaser, having uh, you know um, Keegan Michael Key and uh, Jordan Peele playing two random characters that will be in the film it was just really bizarre and really fun at the same time. So, regardless of what happens with this i'm really hoping that it's good because toy story as a franchise is probably the best and most consistent trilogy that exists beyond i think maybe the lord of the rings trilogy at the moment um and i don't want that to be tarnished especially after toy story 3 had like such a wonderful bow like you know on that franchise but i hope it's good i'm i'm excited but trepidatious yeah, I feel exactly the same way as you because I think Toy Story 3 was like pretty much a perfect movie and it was just a great way to kind of uh, end the trilogy on. So yeah. sometimes when you think they're going to add another one, it's like it's going to tarnish it. <laughs> like maybe yeah. what they did with Indiana Jones. It's like oh, maybe gosh. too much is enough. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like you, um, if the writing is on point and from what I heard... Um, the final scenes to the Toy Story 4 is going to be really emotional. So if they can really deliver on that, then I think I'll be on board. But like you, I've sort of, I didn't really want to tarnish it because this is such a great trilogy. And I love the way Toy Story 3 ended already. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm praying. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to, I <laughs> don't don't want to ruin it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so now we move into July, and we had the first major film of July in the form of Spider-Man Far From Home, which is still a strange title to say, but there you go. Um, we have a lot of the returning cast, including, obviously, Tom Holland and uh, Zendaya, 
and uh, Marissa Tomei, John Favreau, but we also have like some additional people in the form of uh, Maria Hill or Nick Fury apparently going to be in this film. We just found out not too long ago that Jake Gyllenhaal is indeed playing Mysterio, so I'm very curious to see how that's going to work out because they're saying they're going to do some different things with Mysterio and he's not going to be apparently a straight up villain, which is going to be interesting, but I want to see how they they realize Mysterio. Not only in his costume, but the way in which his, um, you know, special effects work works. Because I've always liked Mysterio. He's not like, if he was in, if I was creating a top ten, he'd probably be in my top ten. But he's not like, you know, one of my favorites in the same way that, you know, Doctor Octopus or uh, Green Goblin or obviously Venom are. But I've always liked him just because of his uh, very charismatic presence, the way in which he talks, and um, you know, his uh, special effects always tend to, you know, mess with Peter Parker and. Uh, you know some of his stuff that he ends up getting into um i'm also interested to see how this film builds upon not only the first homecoming film but also the events of the avengers films um i want this film to be really good i fear that i won't get that but considering that this is spider-man i feel like um at least not only everybody at marvel studios but the director would have seen okay this is what works which this is what doesn't they'll be able to you know amp up the action give us some more memorable stuff and maybe michael giacchino as wonderful as he is will be able to give us a more fancier film score than what we got with the last one i'm excited for this but i am i wouldn't say concerned i'm just you know okay let's just call it light concern let's put it that way (laughs) Yeah, so it's going to be called uh, Far From Home because I believe it's going to be set not in New York, but it's going to be based on like a summer vacation to Europe. So yeah. you're going to see Peter Parker and Spider-Man out of his like his natural element. And um, as for uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, I'm pretty excited to see him cast as uh, Mysterio. Even though maybe Jake Gyllenhaal is not really known for playing a villain type role, I, he did play a role in um, a movie called Nightcrawler. Oh where, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, he kept that character kept on getting darker and darker throughout the movie in a really creepy way. Oh so yeah. So he, he definitely has the potential, like, to um, bring something to the role of Mysterio, and um, yeah, I think Mysterio can bring different elements that maybe um, we haven't seen before, and I like how they're just digging deeper into the catalog of um, villains, so they're not just rehashing villains that we've already seen before in live action movies. Oh, you telling me you don't want to see the lizard again? <laughs> yeah, the lizard again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, next one we have is the Lion King, which comes out on the nineteenth, and this is the main film of all the Disney films that's coming out. All the live action ones. This is the one everyone's going on about. When that trailer came out, I saw the whole internet blow up, and all my friends going on the like, "Oh my gosh, it's the new Lion King film!" Oh! <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay." Um, now I have I guess a little bit of bias here just in the sense that The Lion King like Aladdin was one of my favorite films to watch as a kid. Mm-hmm. I watched that film to the point where I could quote it almost completely, you know, front to back. Um and besides, you know, was it Can You Feel the Love Tonight because who really cares about a love song in an animated film when you're like what 5 years old? Um mm-hmm. I love that film. I think Be Prepared is probably one of the best, like, underrated Disney songs that no one really talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I loved that film as a kid, but I think there was this weird period in the late 2000s where everyone just declared it, like, the best animated film ever in the history of existence, and just the amount of hype surrounding it is actually giving me, like, a, a negative, you know, vibe towards it. So I haven't watched the film in probably about almost a decade. And I want to go back and give it a watch, but I feel like just that hype has just turned me off of it. 
Uh, but I'm very curious to see this film just because John Favreau's come back and he's um, directing it like he did with the Jungle Book and just seeing what that technology brought to that film I want to see what he's going to do with this one but you know the cast is insane you know you have Donald Glover, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Seth Rogen, Beyonce um, James Earl Jones is back again as Mufasa yes. which was literally <laughs> just the most impressive thing ever and you know you just have so many other really great um, you know was it uh actors and actresses in this film and I've only seen very minor like uh, clips from the uh, trailer because I still haven't seen that teaser trailer yet but it looks great I'm just very curious to see how they're gonna you know do this film as you know just completely CGI and no humans well obviously there's no humans in the original but yeah I'm curious to see what they're gonna change and what's gonna remain the same so I'm I'm very curious about this yeah of um of the golden age of like those um older Disney movies. I, I think Aladdin and Lion King were definitely my favorite. And I spent a lot of time listening to the the soundtrack for The Lion King. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Circle of Life, uh, Be Prepared, I think by Scar. So I'm of all the live action ones, this is the one I'm probably the most excited for. I think the cast looks great. I love that they bring back James Earl Jones because his voice is so iconic, right? It's oh, like, yeah. It's hard to imagine anyone else playing Mufasa. Delightful. And um, yeah, and I think the story is just so perfect. You know, it's like the original Lion King was just so perfect in so many ways. So, and if a new generation of fans are going to discover it this way, I think that that'll be great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, cool. So now we have another film that's coming out the week afterwards, which is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's the newest film from Quentin Tarantino. And while there is no trailer out for it yet, it's a crime drama which I think is based on some true events. Um, and the cast of this film is bloody insane as well. You happen to have Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Tim Roth, Timothy Oliphant, Michael Madsen, James Marsden, Dakota Fanning, Al Pacino, Bruce Dern. Oh gosh, and it keeps going after that. It's an intense cast, and like one of the things that everybody knows about Tarantino, if you are aware of him as a director, he always seems to, you know, collect a wonderful cast. He always have a really good ensemble cast straight from his first film. Um, you know, what's it? Uh, gosh, the name is escaping me right now. Reservoir Dogs, which is actually one of my all-time favorite films. Um, he's just had a really good um, cast that he's always been able to select for his films, and. Um, I'm not overly aware what the story is. I'm just excited to see another Tarantino film. And I know, depending on who you talk to, The Hateful Eight was a really good film, or just a really long and boring one. Um, but I thought that film was pretty impressive. It was a bit of a slow burn, but it definitely had a payoff when everything started to happen and you know certain secrets were revealed. So um, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites. I'd probably say that uh, Inglorious Bastards is still my favorite of his films. But I'm just in I'm just curious to see what he's gonna do with uh, this cast and. I'm, I'm hyped. <laughs> yeah, the same here. I don't really know too much about the premise, but there are certain directors that when they come up with a new film, I am excited no matter what sort of genre or what, what, what the premise is. So yeah. I think Christopher Nolan would be one of them and Tarantino would be another one. Like I think he has a really great way of creating these really intense, memorable and iconic really scenes in cinema. And that's sort of what I really expect out of this uh incredible cast he has this is like a triple a cast he has got going on here and um i think also as long as in, in addition to being a director he's a really great screenwriter yeah his dialogue his um use of playing with time throughout the movie 
and um, he also has a really good knack of like um, picking sort of uh, music or the soundtrack to go along with um, his his editing and his filmmaking. Oh yeah, so course, I think yeah. that'll be really cool. Yeah, so I'm just excited just because he's coming out with another film, and I really did like the slow burn approach, slow burn approach to the Hateful Eight. Yeah. So I, I I didn't hate that movie at all. It sort of won me over by the end. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. man. Oh, I'm yeah. glad someone else likes that film. Bloody hell. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. So there's some other films in uh, August that's coming out, and some that could make the list. But uh, I'm just skipping to September because there is another yeah. horror film that I'm really interested in, and that is It Chapter Two. Uh-huh. Now, um, back in uh, 2017, I believe, uh, when the first It came out, I thought the first trailers for that were bloody incredible. And I've never seen the original It, but I've seen enough reviews and enough clips of it to uh, tell whether it be, you know, the kind of film that I'd watch. And probably as a kid, it probably freaked me out. But I've always found it just a little cheesy and a little off. So um, seeing that they, you know, obviously infuse this new one with, uh, you know, a lot more, I guess, the modern horror cliches, but they, um, well, not, not cliches as much as they are, like, you know, as it elements, but I saw the film, I watched it alone, which I don't know why I decided to do that myself, but uh-huh. surprisingly enough, it wasn't the scariest experience I had in the cinema, but I thought the film had a great sense of atmosphere, it was very full of tension and creepy visual stuff, the way in which you got to see the different fears of uh, the children realized, in like, you know, the way in which it went around torment and all the different children was good the performances are really good it was probably some of the best acting i've seen from children in a horror film ever and um just tonally it was good so i knew when there was a sequel i'd have to see it so you have the same director bill skarsgård has come back as it again um you know pennywise a clown but we also have the adult cast which um as soon as Jessica Chastain and James McAvoy were confirmed as the adult versions of, like, you know, was it the characters from the original? I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be interesting. And um, I'm very curious how this is going to work out because obviously when they were kids, there was a more, you know, urgent fear factor. But these guys are adults, so it's interesting to see how their childhood fears will come and, you know, give them, you know, problems in this new one. I'm just curious. I. I want this to be good. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm hyped. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty hyped as well. Um, you you did a really great job of summarizing like the part one of it, and uh, I really liked how um, the fears of each of the characters were sort of represented. Yeah, I thought yeah. I did a really great job of that, and also the intensity of the film and some of the scare moments really worked for me, like in the theater. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. And I think one of the keys um, with uh, part two is the chemistry of the cast. So, like you said, I think um, some of the casting, like James McAvoy and just Jessica Chastain, it should be interesting to see how the chemistry will work out. Um, one of the things I liked about the um, the first film was it was sort of like a coming of age sort of feel to it. The oh, sort yeah. of um, their innocence was sort of being confronted with the fears. So as adults, they're going to be probably be a little more cynical, uh, a little more uh, world weary. So I want to see how that sort of factors in. Right, right, yeah, yeah. definitely, man. Um, okay, so now we have on the fourth uh, of October, we happen to have the Joker film that's coming from Todd Phillips, who, which is well, initially produced by Martin Scorsese. Apparently, I didn't know until recently that he 
was uh, no longer producing the film in around, was it July of last year? But um, Mm -hmm. this film is very interesting just because it's the first DC film that we've had, which is almost like an Elseworlds kind of film. It has no connections to the current DCEU. It's apparently a separate story involving the Joker and his transition from, I guess, a down-on-his-lock kind of guy into, you know, this psychotic madman that we know and love. Or, you know, no love and fear, should I say? <laughs> but this cast is pretty impressive. Like, you know, Walking Phoenix, he was at one point going to be Doctor Strange, so it's interesting to see how he's gone from being a hero to a villain. Um, but on top of that, you have Robert De Niro, Zazie Beats, and um, a whole lot of other interesting people that's going to be in this film. And from the set pictures and some of the marketing that's been shown, he looks pretty weird. Pretty weird and demented, but in that good kind of way. And again, he's a different representation in live action than what we've seen before. He's different to Jack Nicholson, he's different from Heath Ledger, and he's definitely different from, um, what's that guy, Jared Letter as well. So I'm curious to see how he's going to work with this one. I, I hope he's good. Yeah, I'm sort of um, cautiously sort of looking at this movie. Um, but the one thing it has going for it, it has a great uh, lead actor, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. So yeah. if anyone can sort of step into a, an iconic role that has been made famous by like some really great actors, uh, Joaquin Phoenix would be the one to do it. Um, I'm sort of a little bit disappointed to hear that Martin Scorsese is no longer producing or no longer involved with the film. Uh, I don't really know why. Maybe he's busy working on his other film. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then another point that um, wasn't my idea, but um, when looking at some of the reviews to um, The Dark Knight, like some people were saying that um, one of the reasons why the Joker was so great in that movie was he didn't really have a specific origin story. Like he was telling multiple origin stories to different people, but yeah. his true nature really was not like sort of revealed. So Joker is supposed to be like a, a character who sort of embodies sort of like chaos so if you're going to tell his origin story in like a low budget character study the question is is it going to take away from sort of the mystery and do we really want to understand the joker or should he be like a character that just sort of keeps us guessing you know a yeah, character yeah. that always keeps us on his toes and is all about chaos so we'll see how this movie and the storyline is going to like uh, pull that off yeah because i was wondering if they're going to take the um the killing joke approach and then have uh-huh. the storyline that they used from that where right. um, obviously he was like a sort of stand-up comic where he had a wife but everything sort of went to crap and then he obviously went a little crazy at that point um i'm curious i mean the yeah. interesting thing is uh i feel like if anything we'll have a solid performance from uh you know was it joaquin phoenix and hopefully these guys understand what they're doing and I, I have folk for this. It's just because it's just so separate from what we've mm-hmm. seen beforehand. And um, this is like only what the second villain based film that we've had in the form of, uh, you know, was it Venom that came out last year and now this one. So mm-hmm. this does open the possibility for other films if it's good, but, you know, hopefully it's good first of all. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think a good way to put it is like you, like uh, I'm sort of curious, but also a little bit cautious. So it's yeah. sort of a wait and see approach. Definitely. Um, Okay, now, so we got to the end of Crimey. I can't remember what date that is. 
Oh no, that's that's November. That's fine. Okay, so we're skipping a few other films as well, but um, this one has my interest just because of the director and the cast involved. We have a uh, murder mystery from Ryan Johnson called Knives Out, and the reason I'm interested in this film is because one is Ryan Johnson, and yes, it's that same Ryan Johnson that you know ruined the childhoods of many people uh, via The Last Jedi. Um, now, I just want to say that. The Last Jedi wasn't for everybody, and when I first saw it, I thought it was like, you know, a very incredible, ambitious, and, you know, um, just a really different kind of Star Wars film. But then the more I started to think about it, a lot of things that, you know, I guess I didn't like started to stick out to me more, and certain points that people brought up about it sort of, you know, deterred me from liking it a lot more. But um, there's still a lot of things that I really liked about that film, but even you know taking that into consideration i look at ryan johnson the same way i look at uh what's his name oh gosh i lost his name give me a second um oh gosh what's the name of the shane black so a lot of people you know wrote shane black off straight away after he did iron man 3 and they forgot about all the good work that he'd done with kisses bang bang and then we saw after iron man 3 he made the nice guys and that film was really good but then obviously he made the predator and that wasn't really good at all so i feel like there's certain directors that just don't need to be attached to franchise-based films and if they just stick to you know their own original ideas or stuff that's separated from a franchise they'll do a lot better and i feel like this might be the case with ryan johnson because i haven't seen brick but i really love looper as an original sort of sci-fi based film and you know you can't you know erase the good work he did with that and obviously breaking bad as well so i'm hoping that this murder mystery with the cast they have that he has including um daniel craig chris evans michael shannon anna de armas lake if stanfield um don johnson jamie lee curtis tony collette there's a lot of really good names in this film and I'm just hoping that this is going to be a really good film, which will be able to show the public that, yeah, this guy is good, and, you know, he can do good work when he's just not attached to Star Wars, basically, so I'm hoping mm-hmm. that this is good. Yeah, I am a fan of, like, murder-type mysteries. Yeah. Um, as for Ryan Johnson, like, um, I haven't seen some of his early films. Uh, I did see Looper, which I, I did like. Um, I think his um, filmography is really short, though. Like, he hasn't made that many films. No, uh, no So yeah. I think he still has to prove himself to really... Um, like, there are certain directors that I will just watch just because they're directing, but he's not really at the point where he's one of those directors yet. He still has a lot to prove. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, do, I really don't know too much about the film, but I think the, the casting that you uh, outlined looks really good. Michael Shannon, Chris Evans, Daniel Craig, it looks really good. Yeah, yeah. Alright, and now we've got the uh, major film, the cap of the year, which I know a lot of people are just going to be like, "Ah, why are you talking about that? I'm so checked out of this franchise, but I still have hope. Um, Like Leia said, (laughs) um, we are talking about Star Wars Episode Nine, which doesn't have its official title yet, but um, I'm still hopeful for this franchise, at least this new trilogy of films, because um, The Force Awakens, while I think it was just very refreshing just to have that, you know, reinvigoration of the franchise that felt so close to the originals um i still think is a good film and uh, the last jedi it it definitely has its problems but i still feel like there's a lot of good stuff in there um at least some good ideas i feel like this film will just be i'm not sure how much of a course correct it will be 
or how much um, you know you'll take the stuff from episode eight and to try to spin it back in the direction of you know the Force Awakens because obviously J.J. Abrams is back to direct this one, but um, I I I do want to see where these characters are going and I want to see you know some of them done justice because I think Daisy Ridley um, you know her character of Ray was the only one of the new protagonist that really got a serviceable you know progression because I feel like they uh, sort of put Poe in a position of you know a sort of whiny you know overconfident kind of guy which sort of went against the character that we saw saw in the last film and um, they had some nice moments with um, Finn but I feel like they absolutely wasted his character and just done him a disservice and um you know, Kelly Marie, Kelly Marie Tran's character, I thought she was fun in the movie, just like their interactions, but her character was very badly misused. And mm-hmm. Adam Driver, as uh, Kylo Ren, he did some good stuff, but again, um, there were certain directions his character went that I wasn't overly keen on. So I'm just hoping that they'll take whichever characters that are left and push them in the right direction and tell a more interesting story because again there was some interesting stuff in the story and some interesting stuff done with the characters and the force and the powers and blah 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 but as an overall story just when you compare it to what's come beforehand there was even stuff in the prequels that were more interesting than what happened in you know was it uh was it the last jedi it was essentially just a random chase sequence while some other Mm -hmm. characters did things off planet so i i really want this film to be good i I guess I'm willing into existence that this film will be good, but I really mm-hmm. hope that it, it it does put a nice cap on this trilogy because I feel like it needs it in order for this franchise to at least continue in a positive manner. Yeah, you did a really great job of uh, summarizing a lot of points that I, I feel the same way about. Um, so a, a few things um, going into this movie is, I think I'm looking for like a sense of like closure. Yeah. Because... Um, in Force Awakens, the way they handled like Han Solo's um, goodbye or whatever, his send off, like I think it could have been handled a lot more better, especially oh, yeah. on how the characters reacted to it. So, and I know J.J. Abrams is going to be back for this one, right? So, I'm just, and what was also confusing about the Last Jedi was um, the send off to Luke Skywalker. So it was like sort of really left the left some questions to be answered, but yeah. apparently the actor will be back. So in what form and how much of screen time, I, I don't know. But hopefully this um, uh, this episode is gonna give closure to the Skywalker storyline, and hopefully they can just do it in a really emotionally satisfying way. Because from what I understand, they're going to. Um, take some footage of Carrie Fisher that were unused from the couple of the previous episodes yeah, and they're yeah. going to incorporate it into the storyline. So hopefully they can give her some closure because obviously the actress is not going to be back for um, any future um, movies. And then um, hopefully the same can be said for um, Luke Skywalker himself. But with the way it ended in um, The Last Jedi, like it just left a lot of weird questions up in the air. And I think it, it exposed one problem, which was um, they really should have planned out the trilogy a lot better. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, de- yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, um, when you said that, 
it does feel like uh, this series of films has just yeah. been a little haphazard, or yeah. in or more so that um, with the uh, with the Force Awakens, and then you had the um, the Last Jedi. It felt like a almost a complete change, mm-hmm. um, a random change. Like someone just said, "Okay, we have an idea of where this is gonna go," but then someone just said, "No, no, no, we're gonna do this." And it's going to contradict pretty much everything that you know this, you know, uh, f- series of films to be like so far. But, you know, st- stick with it. It's a good idea. And then it fails like, oh, crumbs. What are we going to do now? We're going to have to go about and, you know, just uh, rework everything again. Um, so, yeah, there's this. I hope that there's a better sense of cohesion and, mm-hmm. you know, a better through line. Just because yeah. there was a lot of things where, you know, probably not so much for me because I was very open to the idea of seeing, I guess, like more new elements in the Star Wars franchise as opposed to like, you know, rehashing stuff from before. But there were just a few moments where it just felt like there were several things that happened in that film that sort of contradicted everything that we knew to be lore and canon within the Star Wars franchise or just consistent with the previous film. So I can only hope uh, I, I'm I'm living on a prayer right now. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It was sort of like how J.J. Abrams, he passed off the baton to Ryan Johnson. <laughs> but um, when he passed it off, he really did not seem to know which direction Ryan Johnson yeah, was going to yeah. take it. And but, but now the baton is back to him, so hopefully he could just give us a satisfying sort of conclusion to all yeah. this. And um, another thing that I think I've heard was um, Ray and Finn are going to be um, back together in a storyline because in Last Jedi they were yeah. separated, and I really liked their chemistry from the first film. Like it really oh, worked yeah. for me. So, and hopefully that will also solve on one of the other problems of Last Jedi was that Finn, who was often his own sort of storyline, but that storyline wasn't that integral to the overall um, story. So hopefully by putting Finn and Ray back together. Finn is going to feel like a lot more integral, important character. Like he should. Oh yeah, be. and just um, just another thing. Yeah. I'm going to try and will into existence right now. Um, the fun thing uh-huh. about Finn was that you know when he first showed up, he was a uh, just a recently um, put into the uh, new orders like um, stormtrooper uh-huh. program, but he wasn't willing to yeah. uh, you know commit to it. So he he basically defected from like you know was it the bad guys to the good guys. But he did show that he was, you know, proficient in using certain types of weaponry and he had knowledge of, um, you know, the way in which, um, you know, the bad guys operate and stuff like that. So I'm hoping that they're going to at least play off of, you know, play up some of his, you know, smarter elements because he really didn't do much in The Last Jedi at all. He just sort of seemed like a guy that was on for the ride who just knew how to, just about knew how to pilot and knew a few things here and there. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that they're going to give him at least... You know, highlight some of his natural attributes and then put them to good use in like uh, some story and uh, action sequences. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Like they really need to focus on what makes these characters work and click, and incorporate it into the storyline. So I think you put it really well. Cheers, man. And uh, with uh, Star Wars Episode Nine, that is the last of the films that I have on my list. But there may be a few other films that you know some people are interested in. I don't have anything right now to go out mention. I'm gonna to have to go find my list. But um, Eddie, is there any films that you wanted to mention that wasn't on my list that you are excited to see in 2019? Um, 
our tastes actually line up really well. Okay. <laughs> so the movies that you highlighted are the movies that I was probably most interested in uh, keeping an eye on and talking about. Yeah. And the movies that you kind of um, really selectively did not mention, I think you did a really good job of that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some movies that we just want to kind of, you know, keep to the side and not really think about too much. Um, I did. So I, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, there is one that I'm going yeah. to mention, but um, I'll save that for a second. I have. Um, I wanted to go back and mention at least the two X Men films, which um, uh-huh. I am honestly very concerned about, and uh-huh. I'm sort of between like semi interested to not interested at all. Of the two, Dark Phoenix and New Mutants that's coming out, I am interested in New Mutants just because it's more of a horror slash thriller kind of uh, film, and we haven't seen that from the. Uh, you know any superhero film so far like just at least with the x-men characters so that's going to be interesting um dark phoenix i'm just i'm i'm checked out of this universe i don't want any more um so i'm not i'm curious mildly like five percent at max but i just no i don't want it but new mutants i'm curious about i think the only other film that i didn't put on this list which i wish i had you know it was uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Fast and Furious spinoff that features Hobson Shaw, which is apparently called uh-huh. Fast and Furious Presents Hobson Shaw. What sort of stupid name is that? But, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. But um, of the last Fast and Furious film, Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham surprisingly ended up being the most uh, captivating parts of that film. So having a spinoff involving them and um, Idris Elba as the main villain is interesting. So I'm hoping that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of any of those? <laughs> Oh yeah, and um, a couple other ones that to keep an eye on is maybe The Irishman from Martin Scorsese. I don't know a lot about it, but um, just because of the director, I'm just interested in what he's going to put out. And another one is, um, I think, Gemini from um, starring Will Smith. Oh, Gemini Man, um, yeah, yeah. That one's um, yeah. done by Ang Lee. I am Ang Lee, yeah. Ang Lee is sort of hit and miss to some people, but the premise sounds pretty interesting. So Yeah. And um, this it could be a pretty big year for Will Smith if uh, Aladdin is a huge hit, which probably will be. Yeah, because he's because um, um, he's in that and um, that Spies in Disguise yeah. film as well, the uh, the animated one with right. Tom Holland. So, if all these oh, films right, work yeah. out, this could be the Will Smith resurgence that I personally hope for because um, you know Will Smith he disappeared from the world for a little while and um, and there's a lot he of did. kids these days that don't know about his brilliance. Um, probably only seen him probably in maybe memes or like you know maybe clips of fresh prince of bel-air but the guy is brilliant i do hope that he does make a resurgence back into uh pop culture because i think was it a lot of people liked him in suicide squad but i think that was again Uh mostly you know a lot of us older fans who Uh know of his older quality so i hope that he just starts to you know just show up in films and do good work so I'm, i'm hopeful for him yeah, same here. Like, other than Suicide Squad, he hasn't been that big at the box office. And he was really known to be a huge box office draw back in his day. So we'll see. Yeah. And, um, yeah, as for um, The New Mutants, I'm sort of really skeptical about that one. Just because one is, um, I think they've been put, pushing back the release date uh, multiple times on that, on that movie. They did. And I think they've tried to do some reshoots. And... One question mark is the director. He's probably best known for doing like romance comedy, like The Fault in Our Stars. So to switch it up and do a horror-based sort of film, he has still a lot to prove. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and with the whole X-Men sort of um, franchise, it's like 
after apocalypse it's really hard to get excited for like uh, another x-men right now <laughs> yeah i know yeah um yeah but yeah like oh gosh um i'm not i don't want to mention this but it needs to be done i know this is the most anticipated but the last thing i want to mention is just a film that i feel so much fear fear yeah. and fear for and it's that weird sonic the hedgehog film i oh, feel man. like these guys at paramount are gonna kill my boy um because <laughs> sonic you know as a franchise has endured so many ups and downs and so much ridicule and suffering over the years and it's only like recently even though sonic forces the game was kind of crap like um sonic mania was a really great game that did a lot for the sonic franchise to push him back into you know the positive direction but then when we saw that teaser poster oh good lord i looked at that thing and i'm like what did you do to my child um <laughs> the, the weird realistic body and then some of those potential mock-up promo images of sonic with weird spaced eyes i'm like i i've said to my friend beforehand you know with the pokemon film they happen to basically retain the pokemon in all their original shapes their faces and everything but they've just given them fur and while i expected at least some form of fur to be on sonic they've basically just gone this really weird route of giving him a more realistic body and so much hair and the fact that they separated his eyes because technically Sonic is a weird sort of cyclops with two eyes but he has an iconic design that everybody understands so the need to change it into that weird filth that I've seen so far is just oh god I feel like I'm going to make another episode about it because um, I don't know if you know any but back in 2016 I made a hopes and fears for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie back in Oh. I think episode 8 or something and funny enough around the time that this Sonic palaver went down people started like clicking on the episode I'm like man I feel like I need to make another one but I'll wait until the first trailer happens if I see a trailer and I see it <laughs> disgust me you know I'll be back here ranting and raving about it because oh, this could ruin my boy just like it happened with Sonic 06 and Sonic Boom we don't need that again not again I can't go through those dark days again man but yeah um I, <laughs> sorry go on no i just love hearing you talk about sonic the hedgehog because when someone like um is really passionate about something especially if it's part of their childhood and then they see how it's going to be reinterpreted like in the modern day like i just love hearing people's takes takes on it oh but i thought yeah. instead of sonic the hedgehog i thought you were going to mention terminator <laughs> oh gosh now the thing is um yeah, yeah. that was actually going to be on the list but i was like i don't know yeah. if that's the most anticipated yeah. i'm I'm yeah. morbidly, morbidly curious by about yeah. maybe 10% at max because I love the first Terminator. I love Terminator 2. It's like literally in my top five films of all time. But every subsequent sequel afterwards has just disappointed me. And I lived in hope each time I saw a new one coming out. I was like, maybe this is the one. No. Yes. No. No. So I'm just like, bloody hell. I mean, Terminator 3 is not that bad. Terminator 4 has some interesting ideas, but I feel like it's just a little long and uninteresting yeah. in certain areas. And Terminator 5, that Genesis BS. Um, the first 10 minutes of that was good just because it was a really interesting remix of the first film and seeing how they captured a lot of those shots, but it was such a waste of good talent. I don't know why they decided to turn John Connor into some weird metallic you know, Terminator and there was that weird stuff with Skynet being some weird talking boy and Matt Smith was in there, but he was poorly utilized. It was a waste. I'm interested in this new one just because Lyndall Hamilton's back and they're ignoring the previous sequels and they have uh, Gabriel Luna who played um, 
Ghost Rider in Agents of Shield as the new Terminator as well. So I'm I'm very curious. I I want to believe, but I've been burned so many times. So again, ten percent curiosity. Oh yeah, I love the first two Terminator movies. Like I absolutely love them. But it's really at the point where they really need to just let go of this Terminator franchise. Like you just can't resuscitate it at this point. Just give us a little bit of a break. I know we we um, need ten years yeah. or more. Like the, <laughs> yeah, we need ten years. Yeah, the, it needs a Hellboy treatment or yeah, something. Man, just, just give us ten year break. It's just, oh. Oh, just thinking about it hurts my yeah. mind, at least like with my last experience of it. So yeah. I, I live in hope, but you know, no, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, definitely not the most anticipated. But if we were doing like a list of um, the biggest box office bombs of 2019, <laughs> <laughs> this Terminator might be on it. <laughs> Probably will be at the top of the list. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. oh. Let, let's stop talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add before we uh, put this episode to a close? Uh, no, I think you did a really great job of just outlining all of the movies that we can get hyped up about. So, yeah, you did a great job. Cheers, man. Um, and I think you, you did a great job of, like, you know, is it uh, contributing to the conversation, adding, like, you know, is it your uh, interesting and in depth thoughts on some of these films as well, man? You're doing some good stuff. Oh, thank you. Um, what would you say, off the top of your head, if you had to pick one film that's probably your most anticipated of the year, which one would you say is? It would be Avengers uh, Endgame. That would be my definitely my number one. Oh, man, good choice. Yeah, um, good choice. I think, what about you? I think it'd be the same. It's kind of hard yeah. to not be like stupidly hyped for like this end version of like the MCU so far. Um mm-hmm. I don't know if there's even a very close second. Um, I'm, re- I'm really trying to wrap my brain, but yeah, I'd probably say Avengers just because it's just, it's my jam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, possibly Godzilla just because I'm a really big fan of that franchise as well, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Okay, with that, I feel like it's time to bring another episode of Film Focus to a close. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen, and please be sure to let us know in the comments section or contact us, um, you know, via email or twitter or whatever you got what your most anticipated films are whether they were on the list or if we haven't mentioned them be just be sure to drop us a comment or contact us and let us know um we are available on soundcloud and itunes and i think we're also on anchor at the moment though i need to check what's going on with that if you want to holler at me um here's the way to go about and do it you can either do it via email at the hypersonic 55 at gmail.com or at filmfocus 55 or at hypersonic 55 on twitter Um, You can also check out my blog, hypersonic55.wordpress.com. And Eddie, if you'd just like to let the wonderful people know where they can find you. Sure, they can find me at sidekickreviews.wordpress.com. Lovely, jubbly. Yeah. Uh, are you still using the, 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 the Crumini? I can't even say it. The uh, Jacendo account. Jacendo? Or, um, yeah. Uh, it's still active for now, but I'm mainly going to go back and posting on my original blog. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, ladies and gentlemen, be, please be sure to check out uh, Eddie's work. It's very good, and um, as I've always said, he finds a way to cover a lot of information, but then get all the relevant points and does it in a very concise manner. So, yeah, like you know, it's Eddie's work on Psychic Reviews is really good. Check it out. Yeah, thank you a lot. Um, so, yeah, Eddie, I hope you had like a lot of fun talking about these films with me. And um, obviously, I will hopefully have you on with uh, more episodes as the year goes on, because I feel like there will be some interesting conversations to have about, to have about some of these films as the uh, as 2019 uh, continues. 
Yeah, thank you for having me on. And it was actually a really lot of fun and always good talking to you again. Lovely jubbly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, until the next time, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace. Thank mm-hmm. you.